a lot of people right now, you know, the entire, everyone needs to be resilient going through what we're going through and, and managing and then doing so successfully. So I think that that's a really important skill to have. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley and is sponsored by Hillel Stanford, UpWest, and Hippo Insurance. Hello and welcome to episode 179. We're honored to have with us Anne Bloom, the head of platform at Angular Ventures, focusing on providing portfolio companies with the connections and resources necessary to achieve their goals and scale globally. Previously, she co-founded LS Accelerator and worked at Facebook, Goldman Sachs, and German Accelerator. She graduated magna cum laude from Cornell University and has lived in Silicon Valley, Paris, London, and NYC. Anne is also the co-chair of the Red Cross Young Patrons Board. Anne Bloom, thank you so much for being on my show. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. I'm great. You know, six months into quarantine, but still, still surviving. Can't complain. How so are I- you? I, I'm doing I'm doing fine, but I see only one plant, and you said yeah you have a hundred you have a hundred plants in your in your apartment and three trees, there, right? Yes, this is one of the trees. Um, most of the plants are downstairs. It's it's hard to like carry them up the stairs. Of so course, of course. Important. My living room, I've basically turned it into a greenhouse. Um, <laughs> during quarantine, I've had a lot of free time, so I've been doing gardening indoors because I don't have any outdoor space, unfortunately. And also painting. So I love it. I love it. Okay, so I, I've been hearing that a lot. A lot of people have been taking up uh, botanics and, and gardening lately. So this is a, it's definitely very interesting. And it's like I figure if you can't go outside, might as well bring the outside in. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So and I mean, it's a really fascinating journey that that you've had. That I'm and I'm very excited. Very excited to hear about you know the insights that you've gained along the years from running two accelerators in New York. One of them, the German accelerator. Another one, Ellis moving on to early stage venture capital, helping European and Israeli startups break into the U.S. market with Angular Ventures as the head of platform. But you started out in, in corporate, right? You started out in, in mobile developer outreach for Facebook, right? Well, actually, my first job ever after college was at Goldman. As, as the um, HR. Yeah, HR. So that was um, a great start. You know, I really enjoyed starting my career um, at a large company, especially at Goldman, um, is a fantastic place to work and got to meet, you know, and work with some really incredible smart people. A hundred percent. So for, I have to ask, uh, the German accelerator, yeah. uh, I, like, like I mentioned, I was looking, I was looking forever for what is the name of the German accelerator. And you just <laughs> helped me clarify a second ago, but please clarify for everybody watching this. So the German accelerator's name is German accelerator. <laughs> Very Which fitting. is probably the most German way to like come up with an accelerator name. You have no idea how many times when I worked there, people would be like, what's the name of the German accelerator? Like the German accelerator. I'm sure, um, I'm sure. So it's it's almost like it's comical now. Um, I mean, it works. We've, a ton of startups have gone through it. And, you know, the program's doing quite well, but uh, whatever, the whatever always... makes people talk about it more uh, obviously works. Uh, but you're not from Germany. You're from France originally, right? So my dad's American. He's a Jew from the Bronx. And then my mom was from Paris. Um, So I basically spent, I was born in London, then lived in Paris for a bit. And when I was three, I I moved to New York. 
Um, still spending my summers in France, typically in Paris or, or the South, specifically Basque Country. Um, and then in New York, I grew up in Westchester and went to the French American School. So I still, you know, speak French and you know try to keep that connection alive. Right. But I'm very like Americanized in in my culture. And no, I don't speak German. Not German at all. Um, fortunately, that wasn't a prerequisite to working at the German <laughs> Accelerator. <laughs> How do you go from HR at Goldman Sachs to mobile developer outreach at Facebook to running two accelerators at the same time in New York? Great question. I would love to say that I had this like big grand plan for my career of like, I'll do this and then I'll do that. No, not at all. This is not planned. It just happened. And I don't get me wrong. I'm very happy with the outcome of it. Um, but the mindset I had when I started my career was, um, or at least my first job at Goldman was, I love this. This is fantastic. You know, I'm supporting, um, basically my role there was in learning and development and helping the 9,000 plus engineers, um, that worked at Goldman know all, uh, everything they needed to know from technical side all the way to soft skills. Um, and it was, I was there for about a year and a half. And I, I thought I was going to be a lifer. Like I, I really jived with the corporate culture. My dad had worked there for a long time. Um, and, you know, I think especially coming straight from college, you know, being in a like part of the whole like analyst class, the summer training program. So it's, it's just a lot of fun. Um, and then I kind of, I knew ultimately I didn't want to be in HR long term. It just wasn't exactly, um, you know, I really enjoyed it, but I knew that I didn't want to make a career in that. Now, when um, you say HR, just to clarify, because there's a lot of different facets yeah. in HR. So what specifically were you were you working on within yeah. Goldman So learning and development, and I was specifically on the Goldman Sachs University uh, technology okay, team. Okay. So that team, I was very lucky in that I was placed on the tech team, right? Because you get accepted and then you go to Goldman Sachs University and they have different teams aligned to the different divisions. And, you know, most people wanted to be on the IBD team or securities, right? Like the sexy, right. sexy teams. And I was like, no, put me on tech. This is like, I find interesting. I want to be with my techies. And, you know, back then, like, I think, especially in New York, tech wasn't cool. And <laughs> I was very lucky that I got placed on that team. I got to meet, you know, a ton of really great engineers and work with them. And also happened to fall into this tech world, which I fell in love with. And, you know, after working with engineers for a while, I realized, okay, I really am into this tech team. How can I get more into this? And the logical conclusion was, okay, go to a tech company. And one of my best friends from Cornell, she was at Facebook working on the FB Start program. So she kind of pulled me in. It happened very quickly. Um, and very, very I cool. joined, yeah, I joined at the end of 2015. Um, and it was an amazing experience. I mean, it was a very small team. We were three people wow. and we were running a program with, at the time, over 12,000 startups all around the world. So it was a very much a scaled program, but we were able to support them in a scaled manner, do events all around the world, um, give them benefits, mentorship from Facebook community, et cetera. So you're saying um, there wasn't a, you know, this grand plan, but I do see a pattern. I, I am, you know, working on a pattern here that you're yeah. starting out sort of in, in finance, but you're, go, you're gravitating towards tech and then you find yourself helping 12,000 startups within Facebook. So it, it is now very logical as to how you went to yeah. create two accelerators and then you end up uh, helping uh, 
helping uh, you know leverage the the portfolio companies for an early stage venture capital fund like Angular Ventures. Absolutely. So I will say that you know, like when I was still in school and I didn't know what I wanted to do, I just knew that I wanted to have like a positive impact, whatever it was that I was doing. And then fell into the tech world and then ended up working with startups at Facebook. And that's when I knew, okay, I like fell in love with the startup game and this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, right? Be supporting startups, hopefully helping them achieve their goals. And, you know, ideally I would love to be involved with building the next Google or, or, you know, other big tech company. And, um, it was a really awesome experience. You know, I think especially being in Silicon Valley, I moved there in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook was growing incredibly quickly at the time. There was nothing quite like it. I will say just from a social perspective, moving from downtown Manhattan to Menlo Park was a little bit, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> was a bit of a change. Um, but it was an incredibly exciting experience and one that, you know, I was very fortunate to be a part of. Um, and we were, I was on the platform partnerships team. Um, and the thing with Facebook is things change really quickly from one day to the next. So after about a year and a half working there, I knew that I wanted to come back to the East Coast. I, I most of my family and friends are, are here. And um, I also saw that the New York City tech scene was starting to really come into its own. And I wanted to be a part of that because I was like, there's something really, there's something here. And I miss the New York energy. And and there's something really special about New York. So I came back and I kind of did something that's like, I feel like most people would discourage doing it, but I thought it was fantastic. Is after working at Goldman and Facebook, I was tired. You know, both were very intense jobs, working, you know, late night every night, working most weekends. I was like, I need a break. (laughs) So So you go and you run two accelerators at the same time. It makes sense. (laughs) Well, before that, I took six months off to to travel the world. I went to Israel for the first time, which was amazing. And, um, you know, went to a bunch of other places. And, after, you know, I thought, like, being somewhat of a workaholic, I thought I would be so bored during my time off. And that was not at all the case. I was just having a blast. <laughs> I was well, like, I could do this for a couple of years. This is great. A, a, um, a couple of years, then you, then you throw yourself again into, into a, you know, this environment. I'd love yeah. to. I'd love to uh, understand a little bit better, a little bit better about your insights from the running those two accelerators. Specifically, this whole notion of breaking into the U.S. market. I think it's something that's extremely yeah, yeah. fascinating, uh, both for startups that are starting out in the U.S. market, but also for a lot of my friends around Europe and Israel who are running their companies. A lot of them are are considering when to relocate. Uh, I'm very, very good friends with Shuli and Gil from Upwest and Yair and Guy from from Fusion LA, and and so there's a lot of talk about how to help outside companies break into the U.S. market. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your insight from doing that both from the accelerator and then we'll transition also into your work with Angular Ventures. Of course. Um, yeah, so the first, when I came back to New York, I started working at the German Accelerator. And that program was about bringing German startups to the U.S. market. I think that Germany um, was ahead of the game. They, it was actually a program sponsored by the German government. So it was oh, wow. the startups, zero equity, zero fees. Wow. Um, everything. Yeah, which was very special. And I think Germany rightfully realized that the way to, um, you know, long term grow their economy was really investing in their startups. And a big part of that investment is helping them come to the US. I think that this is something that's especially true for companies that are B2B, especially enterprise, right? Just because um, 
so many of the largest companies are based in the US and being able to meet with them and, you know, get their feedback and bring them on as design partners um, is so vitally important. Um, so that program, um, you know, I, I ran that program as a program manager for two years and then, um, you know, also saw that there was a big appetite for startups um, who wanted to come to the U.S. from other parts of the world. I know, I know Israel, that has been so ingrained in the Israeli right. ecosystem for so long that for, the, for Israelis, it's like, obviously, this is a no-brainer. But for a lot of other countries, it, it was less obvious. I think, too, for startups, say, from France or from, um, you know, Italy or Germany, there can be that fallacy of, like, my market is big enough. Right. right. I, I can go to the top French companies and, and grow it through there. But ultimately, you tap out of your market really quickly. And by the time you're like, OK, I conquered the French market. Now it's time to go to the U.S. You could ha- have a competitor here that's already taken over the market yeah. and you might be put at a serious disadvantage. So we saw that there was this need. So I co-founded um, Ellis Accelerator and we ran three different cohorts through that program. And that was all about, you know, bringing companies from all around the world to the U.S. And, um, you know, it worked pretty well. I'd say that the biggest reasons for startups to think about coming to the U.S. And obviously things, the way you do that now with COVID is a bit different than the way you did it before. Um, but the reasons are still fundamentally the same, right? Sales acceleration. So we've actually done a bit of research and for more than 80% of startups that come to the U.S., their sales drastically increased. Really? 80%? 83%. 83%, yes. that's well. Yeah. Um, and then also, it's much easier to fundraise, right? There's a lot of investors in the U.S. There's a lot of money flowing. Um, and so for about 40% of the startups that came here, they had an easier process um, fundraising. And, but um, I do have to ask, Anne, because it, I, obviously there is this, you know, the mindset shift is, is a challenge by on, its, uh, on its own, right? So providing that accessibility into the American mindset and, and, and actually making that move of, of transitioning the business towards the U.S. market. But what, what other challenges did you notice, whether it's through the German Accelerator or, or else? What, what are some of the common challenges that, that, that companies or early stage companies face as they come to the U.S. and they're saying like, wow, like this is something either we didn't expect or wow, this is like yeah. a hurdle that we're facing along with a lot of other newcomers here? I think there's a lot of challenges. Um, and a lot of some of them are foreseen, some of them are not. Mm-hmm. I would say an interesting thing, you know, especially I'm based in, in, in New York. A lot of founders, they come here. And they're just like blown away by how expensive everything is, right? <laughs> like you come here, sure. office is expensive, talent is expensive, everything's expensive. And so I would say going into it, like be prepared to make an investment because it will, there will be a lot of upfront costs. So that's one thing is just the, it's, it's a big investment just from a time perspective sure. and also um, a capital perspective. I would say managing the culture is, is quite difficult when you now all of a sudden have team in the U.S., in Israel, right, time zone makes it challenging to me. Um, when you're hiring American employees, sure. the culture, there there can be some clash where, you know, people, you, you're both speaking English, but you may still not be able to understand what the other person is saying um, implicitly. And then I would say to another trap that a lot of startups I see fall into is hiring the wrong people. You see this especially with sales 
salespeople, American salespeople are really good at selling themselves. And especially for someone coming from outside the U.S., they hear them and like they talk about their sales experience. And it's like, this is perfect. You know, this, right. this person is going to grow our sales funnel tremendously. And then a couple months down the line, it, it doesn't work. You know, I would honestly say that like most times the initial salespeople don't end up working out. Um, so, you know, the advice I'd give there is like, be very, very careful who you bring on to the team, um, you know, hire slow. And if they don't work out, like if you're even thinking about letting someone go, let them go. Right. right. Hire slow, hire fast. <laughs> Exactly. Um, you know, and I think that's that holds true um, both domestically and when you're in the U.S. Um, but especially because salaries are more expensive here, it can be very costly to keep someone on if they're not, you know, bringing in real revenue. A hundred percent. And I want to make sure we also have enough time to talk about Angular Venture because I think that, yeah, you yeah, know, uh, being head of platform for uh, for an early stage fund, um, you know, you know, the the mission is very is very clear, and and it's something that I really really resonate to, and and it's it's not too far off from what you were doing with the two other accelerators, but now you're doing it with a head of a VC, and you're doing it with portfolio companies that that you have a stake in, right? So it's no longer just companies that are coming in and they're asking for your help, but you actually you have a stake in the game. Talk to me a little bit about uh, what Angular Ventures is and what is your specific role within that fund that is bridging the gap between basically the whole world. Absolutely. Um, so basically, Angular Ventures is an early stage fund that invests in startups from Europe and Israel. Um, we'll typically do checks from anywhere from 200,000 to 1.5 million. We do lead, we do follow on. Um, our focus is deep tech enterprise. Um, about half of our portfolio currently is Israeli based or Israeli founders, and the other half is um, spread out throughout Europe. And um, I met Gil Dibner, the partner of the fund, about a year before the fund officially closed for Fund One. Um, and I was always intrigued by venture capital. I wasn't necessarily pursuing it because it, you know, I was happy in the accelerator world. Right. But um, I was really interested with what Gil was doing. His track records really impressive. I mean four out of 30 investments that he's made have become unicorns. Wow. And then the idea of working um, in a situation, because the the downside with working in the accelerator world, right, is you're working with these companies super intensely for three months, right? And then it's like little birds, they fly away and they go do their own thing. And, you know, you obviously still keep in touch, but it's not the same level of, of work. Um, whereas in the VC world, and this was something that really appealed to me, is that you can have this long-term um, relationship with these founders, get in at the absolute earliest stage. You know, we'll do checks with someone with just an idea, right? There can be, we like getting in very, very early and um, help them build their company from the ground up. So, and then work with them for 10 years plus, maybe. And so that was incredibly appealing to me. And then also the idea, having founded my own company before, I love the idea of being the first platform hire and building the platform up from um, from the ground up. And, you know, fortunately, I would say that Gil, the partner of the fund, he is very dedicated to working with the portfolio companies as well. So he spends about half his time working with existing wow. companies and um, the other half obviously working on, on deal flow and evaluating new opportunities. And of course that shifts of course. with the COVID epidemic or sorry, the COVID pandemic. Um, you know, like other, like many other VCs, we were primarily focused on our, on our own portfolio. 
even though we were still doing deals actively, um, but just making sure that the portfolio will survive and and thrive during this time. Of course. Um, so, you know, we've built some few really exciting things on the platform side. Ultimately, our goal is to be supportive of our founders and, and their startups and ensure that they have all the resources and connections they need in order to be successful. Um, so I would say some of the most more interesting or impactful things that we offer the portfolio um, companies are we have about a dozen advisory partners, um, which include uh, founders, like we have the two unicorn founders from from JFrog and SciSense. And wow. we also have subject matter experts from like branding, marketing, sales, um, et cetera. So whenever any of our portfolio companies have a need on one of these key areas, we'll pair them with these advisory partners and then right. they work long-term together. Um, so oftentimes working together for a year or more. Um, so it's a really deep relationship. Um, we also want to focus on things that really move the needle. And especially working with enterprise startups, the contract sizes for customers can be so big that if right. we can help them get one new client, you know, we've done our job. So we do focus a lot on bridging um, the corporates in our network with this portfolio um, companies in our um, to make sh- to see if there's any possibility for like design partnerships or um, for the corporates to potentially become customers ultimately. Um, we've done a few really interesting research reports. So at the start of the pandemic, we looked at how COVID was impacting startups um, from, you know, how many of them were changing their product to, you know, doing layoffs to what exactly were the startup right. founders thinking of throughout this time. Um, we just released last week a report on enterprise deep tech VC in Europe and Israel. So if anyone's interested in reading that, it's up on Medium. Definitely encourage to check it out. And then we're right now working with Index Ventures, specifically talking um, or looking at how um, Israeli startups can successfully expand to the U.S. market, which is, of course, top of mind for a lot of founders. A hundred percent. So, and uh, before we end, I have to go back and, and look at your journey a little bit more holistically because you've 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 gone through so many different uh, different experiences. Yeah. A lot of them are are you know in the same line of thought of how do we work with early stage companies to either help them break into the U.S. market or or continue to scale and grow. And I'd love to hear from you some of, some of the insights that, that you've gained throughout the years. If you were to look back and talk to a young entrepreneur or, or a young person that's going into the tech scene or any scene, what, what are some key things that they should keep in mind as they go on their career path? So basically, what are some career tips? Right. Okay. I actually, I have quite a few of these. Um, a lot of these I had to learn the hard way. Yep. <laughs> so and now, I get, I, to, now I get to hear them the easy way. So if, if this helps one person, um, you know, hopefully it's worth it. Um, what the trials and tribulations I went through. So I would say um, I have five tips for people who are in their career and um, that for me have been quite valuable. So the first is storytelling. Everything at the end of the day is about how you can create an interesting and compelling story. Whether you're in college trying to land a job, right? You have to create a, a good story about why what you've done in the past is relevant for the company, why you know your value add to the specific company. Whether you're a founder that's creating a story about um, you know why an investor should invest in your specific company. So I think storytelling is really important. Um, for me in my career, uh, I, I use storytelling when I 
was pivoting out of HR and went to Facebook. And the way that I focused on it was um, rather than focusing on the fact that I was in HR, it was like, no, I was running programming for tech, right? Which is very relevant to running a startup program at Facebook. Um, And then I would say another thing that's really important is very few things are worth being the hill to die on. I've been um, guilty of this. Yeah, so basically what that means is don't ruin professional relationships trying to prove your point, right? I've been guilty of this at times, especially early on in my career, where it's like you know the right answer or you think you know the right answer and you really want to like make sure the team or your company does it that way. And it can, you know, definitely backfire on you if you're really like holding steady on this. So what I do now is um, say my, my thoughts and what I think we should do. And if leadership wants to do it, awesome. If not, fine. Um, just not getting as like personally invested. I will caveat that by saying there are some, some things which are worth being the hill to die on. I've personally encountered one of them. And it was literally, if we don't do this, I will walk away from the company. Like wow. that's... So, you know, it does happen occasionally, but I think ultimately, you know, be very mindful of not ruining your relationships because your teammates, you have to work with them. You know, this project is going to be over at some point, you know, soon, but the teammates, if you're working at this company for years, you have to continue working with them. So I think it's really important to have positive relationships with them. I have to say regarding, regarding that point, it's, it's so interesting. I remember I, I often reflect back to my officer's academy training and I remember yeah. that one of my commanders there, uh, she, she gave us a talk about, you know, our values and, and the things that we are really passionate about. And especially, you know, in a military setting, it, it's often a very interesting balance between, you know, the things that you believe in, the things that the system believes in. At the end, you, you have a very, you know, you, you know your role within an organization. And, you know, it, 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 it's perhaps it's accelerated within an, a military organization because the, the thing you're working towards is different than just, you know, monetary value for the company. But one of the things she told us is that, uh, you really have one chance within an organization uh, to choose something that is worth fighting for enough that you're saying, uh, I'm putting my keys down and if and if this is not happening, then I'm walking away. But you only get to do that once, really, because the second time and the third time, it doesn't really work. So, <laughs> so, so I, I, I definitely, I haven't used that card yet in any organization, mm-hmm. but but I definitely see, and I, I can, you know, 20 minutes or go, go by so fast. And, and I, obviously there, there are so many more things that, that, that I can learn from you. But, but before we leave, I have to ask you for three words that you would use to describe yourself. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I would say if I had to use three words to describe myself, the first is being determined. So if I get an idea in my head, whether it's in like work or in my personal life, like it will happen, like come hell or high water, I will make it happen. Um, <laughs> and so that's it. Career-wise, it's been pretty helpful. Um, and then I would say I, I tend to be pretty resilient. Um, there's been a number of times where I had to face things that were pretty challenging. Um, a few times where I had to completely start from scratch, right? When I moved back to New York after leaving Facebook, I didn't have an apartment. You know, I was staying at my friend's place, didn't have a job. So, you know, completely rebuilding my life from right. scratch. And I think it takes a lot of resiliency to do that and do it well. And I think a lot of people right now, you know, the entire, everyone needs to be resilient going through what we're going through and, and managing and then doing so successfully. So I think that that's a really important skill to have. Um, and then lastly, I would say kindness. Um, there's that uh, famous line that goes, um, 
you know, nice guys finish last. And I think that is absolutely not true. I think in the short term, being Machiavellian can pay off, but long term, it 100% does not pay off because people will learn that about you and then they just will not want to work with you. So I think being kind, both personal life and professional life is 100% the right um, way and it's worked really well for me. And thank you very, very much. Thanks for being so generous with your time and for all the inspiration and insights through all this. It was really wonderful. I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute pleasure. Of course. Take care. Stay safe and stay healthy.